Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood. And with me this evening is my good friend and co-host, Dad Mitz. Welcome to another weird, wild, and wacky week in the world of genre movie news. A week in which the dinosaurs have taken a bite out of the box office. Chad, your thoughts on the critically panned and destroyed dinosaur movie making bank at the box office. I mean, this was never in doubt. It, it, does, it didn't matter what was going to happen. Uh, we knew Jurassic World was going to make some money. Um, last I saw, it was like at $148 million, but that was early. So, you know, I, I could have wrong numbers, but um, that is in the summertime, it's the third highest opening behind Doctor Strange and uh, Top Gun. But the franchise makes money hand over fist. Say what you will about this latest trilogy. The last two have made a billion dollars. I still haven't seen the second one all the way through. I haven't seen the third one yet. So, But I imagine that this one, if it doesn't make a billion dollars, it's going to be damn close. So the, the money part is nothing that is unexpected. Um, and really, I guess the more unexpected thing would be the reception to it, and even that's not all that unexpected. I didn't think it was going to get great reviews. Uh, the reviews are about on par for what I thought, and people are still going to see it because people like this franchise. So I think this is this thing is like exactly how I expected it would go. This is how we're going. We're into a Transformers territory, Chad. We're in that beloved space where no matter what happens, right, this right. is a billion-dollar movie, no matter what. And um, people just want to see robots fight each other, and now people just want to see dinosaurs fight each other. It doesn't matter about plot. It doesn't matter about mechanics. It doesn't matter about characters. It just, it just matters if the dinosaurs fight each other, and you do some creative stuff with the dinosaurs, like they did in Fallen Kingdom with uh, the, the haunted house uh, set up there at the end. Uh, in the third act. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it is the Transformers of the 2010s. Pretty much. Wait, have you seen this one yet? I have not because I've been on vacation. Otherwise, I would have been there for the double feature on Thursday. Yeah, okay. That, that's what I thought. Um, we haven't seen it yet either. I imagine sometime before, um, it, before at least theaters, we're going to see it. Uh, the question will be if we see it before we see Lightyear. I don't know. But, yeah, I wasn't in a rush, and the kid didn't mention it. So, you know, we'll see when we see it. Yeah, I mean, we've gone from dinosaurs attacking giant hamster balls to dinosaurs prowling around the haunted mansion to a gothic mansion to, you know, dinosaurs on ice. Just a natural evolution, Chad. Natural evolution. <laughs> oh, boy. Dinosaurs on ice. Uh, yeah. But, but no, I'm just, I'm just at this point, I'm just curious if it's gonna make if it's going to make a billion dollars. That that's kind of all I have left with this. I'm more curious as to what Torero does after this. Because he, he used all of his capital, right? He used all of his capital from from safety not guaranteed to bolt himself into this world. Jurassic World is not received well, but it's a billion dollar movie. He writes the second one, doesn't direct it because he was prepping a Star Wars movie that never happened, Duel of Fates, and then he comes back and he directs this one. So what does he do? Does he pull Peter Jackson and you know never go back to 
small grassroots filmmaking, or does he go back to grassroots filmmaking? Um, so, so I think, uh, I think uh, it depends. If, if, if you know, if he has that yeah, reputation within the studio that you know he can, he can, uh, he, can, he, can he makes he these make movies, movies on budget, budget on time, and the results have been he's made billion dollar movie he's made a billion dollar franchise all three of them he's been involved with have made a billion dollars um that should give him carte blanche to do whatever he wants if that's his reputation then he can go and do um you know smaller films if he wants or he can go on and move to another you know blockbuster type thing it just i don't know what his studio reputation is um but if his i i think well, I mean, money, his studio reputation was good enough to get him fired off of star wars because let's face it, all of those leaks that we saw were like better than what we actually got. Still not great, but it's still better than what we actually got. True, that is a good point, and and one to make people wonder like, what is he looking to actually work with? But then you can point to being on two of the three Jurassic Worlds and writing all three, and maybe and be like, well, maybe it's just Lucasfilm. I don't, I don't know. I. It can go either way, which is crazy because Frank Marshall is on that set, and Frank Marshall is the one who recommended him, along with Brad Bird, for the Jurassic, uh, for the, uh, for for the Star Wars movie. So, like you know, Frank Marshall and and Kathleen Kennedy are husband and wife. So mm-hmm. they're they're like she would have intimate knowledge of his working on set on the Jurassic movies. So that shouldn't have been an issue. His his on set working ability. Shouldn't have been an issue, but then again, we're talking about the same person who hired Warden Miller and then fired Warden Miller. Yeah, and that's why I'm thinking that uh, it's more of a. I think studios think of it more as a okay, this is a Lucasfilm thing. Uh, he either clashed with Kathleen Kennedy or through different avenues, they decided that they need to do something else after reception of Last Jedi, something like that. I, I think. I think he's going to have enough studio credibility and box office credibility that he can do whatever he wants. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think his, his methods are poison and people won't want to work with him. Uh, oh no, he, he he's not in Michael Bay territory. Um, but at the same time, like he's not in Simon Kinberg territory, but at the same time, it's just kind of like, does he like my regret with, uh, Jackson is that we're never going to get something even as small as Lovely Bones ever again. Now, he, he seems to have just taken a tack to uh, documentary filmmaking with colorized versions of We Shall Not Grow Old and uh, The Beatles Get Back, which were both his, his documentary colorized footage. Um, so maybe that's where he plays around, like a hobby of sorts, if, if you know, understand. Um, but like we're never going to get something as small as heavenly creatures again from Jackson. And that disappoints me in the same way we, you know, uh, are never going to get something as small as safety, not guaranteed from Trevor ever again. And that kind of bones me out. Yeah. But I mean that if we don't get anything small from them again, I, I, I would have to believe that part of that is just them. Like, you know, I have all these tools available, available to me. So, so why not just go ahead and use them? That's what happened to George, right? George got all the toys and was like, why do I need to go back to making things in my garage for THX? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I just it's interesting to me. It's also interesting to me that uh, a franchise about dinosaurs can last for thirty years, produce six movies, and make a billion dollars, and that no other dinosaur dinosaur franchise has popped up in its wake. Yeah, that that yeah, is that true. Is There's true. there has not been a knockoff, but I I mean after the first one, I don't think anybody wants to do them if it doesn't have the Jurassic Park name on it. Well, I mean, Lost World, I actually enjoy. Not many people do. I still am thematically perplexed as to how Vince Vaughn just disappears from that movie altogether in the third act. But um, it's it's a movie about dealing with divorce. And that's something that uh, Spielberg was dealing with himself at the time. So, like, um, I get it. But, like, I actually like Lost World in particular the – uh, the whole trailer set piece a lot more than uh, than most people I feel. And three is like way over the top. You think that some of these are bad? Like three is like raptors talking to each other verbally. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen all of three. Uh, I've seen Joe Johnson, the guy, the guy who went from Jurassic Park three to Captain America. He went from he went from Honey I Shrunk Kids, Jurassic Park three. Captain America. That's not his exact trajectory, but those are his most well-known movies. Uh, and I've heard people say that you know three is like the second best one. Um, I've seen The Lost World. My opinion of that movie is colored by the fact that I read the book. So the book and the movie are two totally different things. As they are with the original to an extent. Yeah, from what I've heard, because I, I didn't read the original. Uh, I, I only read The Lost World. I forget how I came about that, but um, I read that one summer or whatever it was, and then I saw the movie. I was really excited because I read the book, and I really liked the book. And then I got to the movies and was like, but this, none of this happened. All right, all right, all right. No, but there was a black girl doing gymnastics, and that was awesome. Yeah, that now that was in, there was a black girl in the book, um, but I think that's about where the similarities are. Julianne Moore does not cite that on her filmography. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Chad, another movie has it is the summertime, so movies keep cascading over us like water rushing down the river stream. Um, Lightyear has screened for critics. Your thoughts on another Pixar movie absolutely killing the critical reception. I mean, the the most consistent bets in town right now are um, Marvel and Pixar. Even though pick, even even though it seems a lot of people are saying that both of those are on like the downturn. Most other studios would kill for their downturn because people still like their movies. So, hearing the reception of Lightyear, I am not surprised. It's a Pixar movie. There's a certain quality that goes into it. Your mileage may vary, but it's at the end of the day, it's going to be an enjoyable experience. So um, I was not surprised by like the, the response to Lightyear either. I'd have been more surprised if people hated it, but that's not where we're at. So now it's about how does that reception translate into money, particularly since this is uh, it's becoming this is the crowded part of the summer. Uh, it should it shouldn't make some traction because it is a you know four quadrant family movie has the Toy Story brand behind it the Pixar brand behind it, um, but how how is that going to translate to money? 
Uh, we're going to find out here soon, but uh, it looks like Pixar, at least critically, is going to have another hit on its hand. Yeah, and the movie within a movie, right? This is the movie that Andy and his friends would have gone to see his kids that would have inspired them to go buy the, buy the Buzz Lightyear action figure, which led to the whole incident in the first movie. Um, Chris Evans does a fantastic job. I've heard enough about this damn cat. I need to see this damn cat be cute and say ridiculously funny things and make me smile because that's that's what Doug did in Up, and I'm probably the only person who's actually watched all the dog uh, Doug's Day's shorts on Disney Plus because I love Doug. Um, squirrel. So, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what happens, but like, I love the visuals. Like, it's it's a beautifully shot film. Like, from everything we see in the trailers and from all the reviews, it sounds like the movie that we were sold is the movie that we're getting. It's a space adventure. But I need this cat in my life now because I've heard nothing but <laughs> great things about this damn cat. Well, I'm, so I'm not looking I'm not forward to that because that that means. Is another adorable little thing that somehow will make its way into my home at some point. Um, I I can do without that, but you know, it'll bring joy to other people. That's fine. I just don't need the cat showing up in my house. But if it's cute enough in the movie, it will. I mean, it is adorable, and apparently, it says nothing but adorable things. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on just the idea of this movie within a movie thing, like? The idea is essentially that this is the movie that made Andy go buy the Buzz Lightyear toy. What are your thoughts on the kind of inside baseball of a movie like this? So, um, I've, I've been having this discussion actually with my my brother and my daughter because the the trailers for this movie have they broke it broke them both because of this whole thing is they're like I don't understand how how like how this how works, this because, because clearly, clearly whatever this story, story is, is the influence for the toy buzz like you. However, the story, story seems to be in a far off future, so it can't be the influence for the buzz we know in the, the, the movie. So how does this work? And it has broken them. And like every time a, a trailer would come up, my daughter would be like, I'm confused. I don't understand what's going on. So I um, I saw it somewhere and I told it and I, I liked the idea that it was like um, it was like growing up Andy went and worked on and made a movie and it was this movie. So I was pitching them on a movie within a movie and it seems to be that's the way this is going. It just seems like they're going to actually use it as the movie to influence the actual toy. And I'm fine with all that. Um, as for me, it it was working my brain too. But for me, if it if it's a movie within a movie, I'm completely fine with that. Uh, as long as it doesn't break my brain on Toy Story, you know, little things break my brain a little bit. But a movie within a movie is cool. Uh, I would prefer if it was like a movie that Andy made because I think the way the movie looks, it just seems more sophisticated than what would have been available in '94. But if they want to go with that, I will let them. I don't care. Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more like that the toy figure had to come from something, right? And if you wanted to say, like, there's not like the Andy, the, the Woody thing where there's Woody's Roundup that is cited in the Toy Story movies is that's where the, the uh, Woody toy comes from. 
like the the Lightyear movie or the light the Lightyear TV show that ran on Disney uh, Kids or on the Disney Channel for a while. They weren't referenced in the uh, original source material, so you you kind of are going on a limb here. And I also am interested in to see the Captain America parallels um, because again, he's a man out of time. Uh, man goes into a light ship and goes years into the future, and everybody he knows is dead. And he hooks up with the daughter of the person he knew back in the day. It just there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah, that. Yeah, that- when that second trailer came, I guess it was the second trailer, and gave us the whole man without time thing. I'm like, okay, I, it's not gonna, it's not gonna like ruin it for me. But did you really have to make Buzz Lightyear voiced by Chris Evans, Space Captain America? Because that's what this kind of seems like. But again, I'm cool with it. I will go with it. But you know, in the back of my mind, there's always a little part of me that's like. That's why Chris Evans was cast, because he's Space Captain America. In the back of my mind, I'll just be going, uh, so how does the Captain America toy sound like uh, Tim Allen, yet the actual Captain Captain Lightyear or, or uh, Buzz Lightyear sound like uh, Chris Evans? You know, it's funny, because just in the trailers, I know it's Chris Evans, but he sounds like Buzz Lightyear, even though he doesn't sound like Tim Allen. And that is, you know, that is completely weird, and it doesn't make any sense to say out loud. The TV show? No, hell no. Uh, I don't know who did it, but it was. I know it was not Tim Allen. Uh, I'll look it up if just to entertain people. But um, no, it's something. You know, they always have those those other voice guys. It was, <laughs> it was Patrick Warburton. Ah. And in another another funny twist twist of fate, fate. Zerg Zerg was Wayne Knight, Knight. who we all know as uh, uh, Al from Toy Story 2. Oh, that that and also Nidri from the Jurassic Park movie, the original. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yes, yes, he is. uh, I mean, most famously, he's Newman from Seinfeld, but it was it's a nice little full circle there thing for uh, for Toy Story. Indeed, but I mean, I just I just think it's an interesting concept. I'm interested to see what the box office ends up doing. Yep, that's me too. Um, so Chad, Tom Cruise flew into the danger zone for a third weekend, and you know what he did? He accomplished seven hundred plus million dollars domestically. Man, it's, wait, that's not domestic. Uh, internet well, overall. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's close. It's real close. Uh, well, it's probably going to be the top grossing movie domestically of the summer if it keeps going the way it is. How is this possible considering it lost half its screens to the dinosaurs this weekend? Like the, the half the IMAX screens anyway. So it's people really like this movie and um it's getting You finally got to see the last ten minutes of it. Yes, and I I I'm so I'm so so upset that it was like when it was twenty minutes, I was mad. When I found out it was actually just 10, it really, really upset me. But I went to see it. I saw the last 10 minutes. I wanted to see it before the dinosaurs came in so I could see it on the, uh, the IMAX because I knew they were coming in to kick that off. But I went, um, it was Wednesday, like the first showing at like noon. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be me and like two other people in there. 
But no, it wasn't like a packed crowd, but there was a decent amount of people in there. Enough people that I had people sitting right next to me, which annoyed me, but that's neither here nor there. So this, and the thing was, a lot of those people were older. Like, um, I would say, like, in my parents' range would be like late 50s, early 60s that were there for the second go around. And I, so... It's getting what we what we've been questioning since the whole pandemic stuff happened. Will people go back and have you know repeat viewings of things? And this one is having everyone wants to go see more than once. And it seems like the people that are going back the most, and this is just anecdotal, anecdotal, are older people. Um, and. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's that's really what it is. It's it's the repeat viewings. It's a lot of repeat viewings. Um, I really think like the second week benefited from people like I want to see it again, and I want to see it on the biggest best screen I can. So that gets you the IMAX. This weekend it's just like I just want to see it again on the big screen, and it gets you fifty million. And it is now hell. It is now four million behind Doctor Strange domestically. Already. Already. So, so it, it's, it's it, I did not see this coming with this movie like like at all. But but it hit it hit the right spot. It's even though it's a top gun movie, it is still like a as close to a four quadrant movie as a top gun movie can be. A lot of nostalgia, um a lot of older people that knew the original and I mean as much as you want to talk about who he is Tom Cruise is like the last movie star and putting his name on this movie is driving a whole bunch of business and it's this is insane I'm, I'm really curious to see what the drop off will be next week when there's another big movie coming out on top of what's already here how's it going to do I will remind you again that uh, the original love interest was not brought back the uh, mother of Rooster was not brought back, so she is name dropped. And uh, Take My Breath Away does not play. So nope, nope. there is nostalgia, but there isn't complete nostalgia. No, but I think they did enough. Especially, I mean, the movie starts off. I mean, you have you have a literal, you have Danger Zone. Yes, it starts off with Danger Zone, but like you have the same like make out, let's have sex scene. And you don't use Take My Breath Away? Like, it's right there, man. It's right there for your nostalgia play. See, I I think they did the right thing by not doing it. Just because the opening, I mean, the first five minutes of this movie are exactly the same five minutes from the original. So they're like, if you've seen the original, you know what this is. But they hit you hard with it right there. And then they don't and give they don't you that, that. I mean, and they give you familiar beats. Um, but then they don't, they don't give you, you. They don't hit you over the head with the nostalgia again until the shirtless football team. Yeah. Well, uh, well they hit you. No, they hit you, know, they hit you with the uh, um, Great Balls of Fire thing, which I, I think is the most unrealistic part of that movie because those people are younger than me. There's no reason that you know the name, the words of that song. None, except for Rooster. He's the only one. Well, as as well as um, Jim David pointed out on Twitter, um, you could always just suggest that the uh, um, 
the hard ceiling, which is the bar, um, that that's a tradition in the bar that they sing that song all the time. Or that Rooster sang it when he was in school at Top Gun, so other people know it. There, there's a couple of viable reasons why you'd say it. loopholes around around that. A couple, like, like so. No, no, I don't want to get too much in the weeds with that, but like, like the girl, um, the girl and the douchebag, they would know it because they were in school with Rooster. The rest of them, they're all just meeting right there, and they're having a good old hard time singing this song that they should have never heard because Rooster wouldn't have been there. But yeah, if they played the song in the jukebox, okay, maybe I, I'll give you that. The other thing they didn't use was "You've Lost That Love and Feeling," which I thought they were gonna do when she rang the bell. Yeah, I could have, I, I could have saw that. I could have saw that. Um, but again, they give you, they give you a little bit, but they don't give you a lot. Indeed. So Chad, Chad has done an amazing thing for our podcast. Chad has set himself through Fast and the Furious Nine, and Chad, and Chad will now give us a hearty and healthy review. A Fast and the Furious Nine, straight from his Twitter feed. Take it away, Chad. <laughs> um, okay, I was not expecting that, and I did not watch that movie for the podcast uh, proper. I watched he it because he sacrificed himself for us. Don't, 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 don't let him fool you, folks. He sacrificed himself for all of our entertainment. <sighs> I just wanted to watch it before it got off of HBO Max. You know, I I did commit myself to watch the other ones. Before this one came out last year, I got through that ridiculousness and I was like, well, I need to watch this before it disappears from HBO Max. That's what happened. Now, um, it took me three days to get through this movie. Uh, some of it was my fault for starting it late and falling asleep because I'm an old man. Um, and or maybe being slightly intoxicated to the point of passing out and falling asleep again. You know, but still, um, three days. Um, I'm not going to talk about how ridiculous it is that I'm supposed to believe that Vin Diesel and John Cena are related at all. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to skip over most of that stuff. We're going to go straight to the good stuff. I didn't know magnets worked that way. I didn't know magnets were selected. I didn't know you could hit a switch on a magnet and in a car that you're driving with all this metal, the magnet's like, nope. We're, 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 I'm housing you. Nothing's going to stop on you. Nothing's going to shoot out on you. It's just going to come from every which way else. Um, sometimes it picks up change. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it picks up guns. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, random things out of cafeterias. Sure, let's put them on the street. Manhole covers and whatnot. Nah, we're going to skip over that. So the logic of magnets was really blowing my mind. And then... That all of that happened before. What I knew was coming in this movie, what we've been joking about for years, was that Fast and the Furious had to go to space. And they actually did it. You know, before I saw the movie, I heard that they, like, you know, they were sending them to space, quote unquote, but it's going to be like low orbit. No, I mean, this might be considered low orbit, but uh, no, they were kind of floating in space. They saw stars. They drove through a satellite, which had to be in orbit, so they were in space. They sent a car as a rocket ship into space. A Pontiac. A, a Pontiac that previously in this movie had blown up, not going into space. Um, 
I, I'm not going to, you know, when you think of space and space shovels and all, like how they're, you know, built and sealed so you don't die. These fools went to space in a car. Not in the car that was sealed because the reason they get out, the reason they get to go home is while they're floating in space, they open the doors to weigh down some astronauts to let them in, which means they should have died a long time before they got to do any of this other foolishness. But whatever. Whatever. Um, those, are, those are really like the two key points I just want to hit on in this ridiculous movie. Um, I, I will say I enjoy Tyrese ba- basically serving in, stepping in for us, the viewer, to be like, none of this shit makes sense. Absolutely none of this makes sense. We should have been dead a long time ago. We should be dead right now. But here we are. And it don't make sense. But and and what is his conclusion in the end? It's like, you know what? Maybe it doesn't, but we're here. So let's just go with it. I can appreciate his conclusion is we're all superhumans. No, 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 no. He that's where he was going. That's where he was going. But then in the car, he's like, you know, maybe we're not superhuman. Maybe we've just been lucky this whole time. But if we've been lucky this whole time, let's just keep going. Just live it up. Just live in the moment. That's kind of where he ends up. And you know what? I mean, he is the audience. He is the, the movie telling the audience, none of this shit makes sense. It should not work, but you're sitting here enjoying it. So just go for the ride. And I can appreciate that of this movie knowing that it is completely, utterly ridiculous and dumb, but it's entertaining and you like it. So we're going to give it to you. So and Han, say what and Han you faked his own death with the help of the character that didn't show up for three more movies. I mean, I mean this is true, true. But however, however, I mean, Han, that, what? He died in a movie before, like, that's a prequel to the le- the movie after it. And whatever. Who cares? I don't give a care. I don't, I don't care. At this point, Loose Logic is all this series is about. They give you Loose Logic, and they say, just enjoy it. I, I can do nothing but respect it. Just enjoy it. Now, with all you that said, you can respect it. You can respect it, but it takes Justin Lin choosing his mental health over making it. <laughs> well, well, he chose his mental health over everything else. So uh, now, Big Daddy V is going to run over uh, Louis Letier and make whatever he wants to make. Um, you know, more power to him. Just know that. While I, while I respect it, and they, they did say that, there's only so much you can keep doing this crap. So these next two are one, one split in two, however you want to look at it. Make the best of it, because uh, we need to wrap this up. Wrap this up right now. Where can you go, Chad? They've gone to low, low orbit. They've ridden in the International Space Station. Um, so they can go to the other... Great unknown, which is the sea. Um, I mean, they've already been equipped for it with using the scuba suits to go to space. Why not retrofit it and do and do that? It's just as insane. This is more plausible. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, they go to the depths of the sea, and Vin Diesel fights whatever evil doppelganger he has, and like the middle of a, of a volcano. That's it. That's all I got. 
uh, outside of that, the only thing outside of that is that we're introducing Kaiju and going that way. That, that's, that's it. That's all I got. I mean, you know, you could cross your billion dollar franchises over and just do Jurassic Park Not and Fast that. 9. I mean, you don't, you don't think that'd be an awesome <laughs> idea, Chad? Just cross your billion dollar franchises over. Get, get, get Owen to bring him Blue, the Velociraptor who speaks to everyone, to meet Vin Diesel. And then Blue can become part of the family. So, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no to that because we shouldn't be giving them ideas that they might use. Let's not do that. I mean, I'm I'm still disappointed that we never got the Count Chocula and uh, General Mills serial shared universe. That that's still my disappointment. I need to see a live action Captain Crunch movie. I mean, I don't know about Captain Crunch, but uh, that the whole, you know, uh, Count Chocula, Frankenberry thing, I was kind of, you know, I, I was mildly amused and curious about that. Hey, somebody made money off that pitch, sir. Somebody made money off that pitch. Yes, they, yes, they did. And I, I applaud them. I applaud them. Get your money, no matter how you got to do it. Indeed. So let's wrap this, uh, this episode of the podcast uh, up. With a uh, a general simple question, Chad, and that question is, would you go to AvengerCon? And if you would go to AvengerCon, what Avenger would you dress up with as? And would your parents let you go? <laughs> um, as a sixteen-year-old, it depends on where AvengerCon was. Uh, being that I'm from the country, no matter what, my parents are gonna have well. Depending on where it was, my parents is, are probably going to have to bring me. What adventure am I going to dress up as um, as I look behind me in my room? There's a Captain America shield sitting there, so I guess that's going to be the answer. Uh, but yeah, that, while we're, what we're getting at is from Ms. Marvel. Uh, I keep hearing more and more of that uh, uh, official AvengerCon per Marvel proper might be a thing, so you know, maybe we'll we'll see. Well, Star Wars does their own. They do Star Wars celebration every year, once overseas, once in Europe, and once here. They alternate years, so they've done their own convention for a hot minute now. And so, as we saw in the episode of Miss Marvel, you could certainly uh, build enough components around, and you could have, you know, stars come and show up at signing booths and charge admission and. All the things. I mean, I'm sure it would be a Comic Con level event. Um, but I mean, you already do D23, which is exclusively for D23 club members. You already do Star Wars Celebration. So, I mean, why not do an Avenger Con, which was part of her comic book origin story that they carried over to the show. And I thought they did a really awesome job with it, setting it at Elite Camp Lehigh um, in New Jersey. So, um, the Captain America tie there. I also liked uh, just kind of the overall theme and layout of it. You could have other Avengers there. I mean, like I said, Star Wars has done this with Celebration. Disney has done this itself with D23. So there's no reason why you couldn't just make a Marvel-branded convention. Yeah, it's right there. At this point, it's really about do they want to do it or not. And It would probably be... Probably be a cheaper experience than the Star Wars three day hotel. <laughs> it definitely would. Uh which apparently that thing is flopping and I didn't I didn't know. But uh 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's right there. They they can do it, and it's just a matter of if they want to, and not even a matter if they want to. They, it's going to happen. They're going to do it. Um, it's just a matter of when, when we're going to get it done. Indeed. And what do you think of the episode of Miss Marvel as a whole? I enjoyed it. It was... Um, I mean, I know who Kamala is from, from the comics, and this seemed to capture the spirit of who she is. Uh, people that are in, into her comics say that, you know, they feel like this represented like those first few comics with her very well. Um, I'm really uh, I'm really happy for the actress that plays Kamala Aman. Uh, I don't remember her last name, but um, I mean, her, her, her actor origin story mirrors Kamala's origin story because she grew up watching these Marvel movies. She got into all the Marvel characters. She dressed up as Kamala Khan growing up a couple of years ago. And then to be here and to be, um, to become Miss Marvel in this much the same way that Kamala became Miss Marvel. I, I think that's a lot of synergy there. And then uh, just aesthetically, all those people that like to complain about the sameness of Marvel, they can't complain about it with this show. This show is very bright, very vibrant. It's very different looking. Uh, I've seen lots of people comment about things like uh, the texting, which I thought was really good. It's not just looking at the screen or seeing the little bubbles pop up. It's the way they incorporate the backgrounds into the text and all of that. It's a very visually appealing show. It's it's got a lot of heart, and it it represents Miss Marvel in a good way. I think it's a I think it's it's also a good start so far. If they keep this up, I think a lot of people are going to be happy. Particularly and 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 I think this is a I think this is a good show to get like younger tweens and young teens if into Marvel if they're not already there because of you know she's in the high school setting and it feel this feels like a kid becoming a superhero. So it's another way to grab more fans if you didn't already have them. Yeah, and I love the uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World Freaks and Geeks, uh, you know, feel to it. I like that it is a uh, an ethnic uh, an ethnic story told by people of the same ethnic background. It is a, uh, a story that is inherently universal in terms of parents and children and coming of age. But you see, that's the thing that when someone grabs it, and just relates to it in a way that translate it's timeless. The reason that that John Hughes's movies resonate 35, 40 years later is because he tapped in to the very essence of what it meant to be a teen, not just in the 1980s, but like throughout time. And there's something to be said for the way Captain Marvel does that. It's something to be said for the way that Apatow and Feig did that in, in Freaks and Geeks, where it just it resonates. It resonates a to its place in time and its moment in history, but it also resonates outside of that as a uniquely defined experience, and it's extremely relatable. I mean, the moment where she disappoints her father. I mean, it's just they do it in such a beautiful way, with with a hint, with a with a good mix of humor and charm and grace, and it just it, it really is interesting. And who knows? We may actually get our first uh, our first series without you know a major villain. Yeah, I have no idea who a villain would be. Um, and, you know, we might not need I don't think we need it. But if we get, if her, we get something Her like figuring that, around with her powers since she, you know, brought they brought back the dude from No Way Home. Yeah. Um, 
I really wish I knew his name, but I be honest, I didn't think that, I needed yeah, to know his name, so I didn't bother learning it. But looks like he'll be around for a while. So it's the damage control guy. Yeah, which is a, a great organization that they brought in at the beginning of, of Homecoming when they screwed up the timeline. Yep, and for a while didn't look like we want to do anything with him, but here we are. Indeed. So that'll about do it for this week's podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCW Tiger Fan. And I'm at the Mets Theory. Don't let him fool you, folks. He's a huge fan of the Fast and the Furious movies, and he's waiting with bated breath for Fast and Furious 10. I love how you try to sneak these in at the end. Otherwise known as Fast X. Chad is very hyped for Fast X. Thank you very much. Have a fun Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you.